0: All right, so this is part one of the Astro Queen Into Submission Fuzz Club podcast, and I am lucky enough to have Daniel from Astro Queen with me here, and we're going to chat a little bit about Into Submission and and more before we get into the Fuzz Club portion. So uh, welcome, Daniel, and thanks a lot for, for joining me on this.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So when I started getting into like Stoner Rock and stuff was probably like only... I don't know, maybe eight years ago or something. I was just kind of like tired of the metal scene that I was, you know, into at the time. I was in high school, so kind of into that kind of stuff. And uh, I wanted more like Queens of Stone Age type of stuff. And I just went down this like rabbit hole on YouTube and Bandcamp and stuff, listening to Truck Fighters, which le- led me to Rollerball and Lowrider, which led me to Astro Queen. And, and I've said this before, but Into Submission is one of those albums that I, I, always go back to it's what got me into stoner rock in a lot of ways it's like hall of fame material for me it's it's why i'm still talking about stoner rock and and everything else and when i discovered it i was like oh this is my new favorite band this is my new favorite album i wonder what else they got and uh unfortunately it wasn't much there wasn't much else out there and (laughs) apparently you guys had gone on like a uh hiatus uh uh, or, or of some sort at that time and i was i was bummed but you know fast forward you know eight something years later and lowrider made a comeback and now you guys are mm-hmm. reforming and there's new things in the works. So um, I couldn't be happier. And I'm, I'm really stoked for this episode on Into submission and, and talking to you about it.
1: Oh, um, thank you very much, man.
0: Yeah. So tell me about what it was like for, for you and, and Astro queen, you know, in 2001, I think this album came out and uh, you know, what was that scene like for you guys? What did it look like? Did you know, you know kind of what it would become or how how big was this thing and and what did it feel like when you put out this this album into that
1: i think back then uh, <clears throat> we had been listening to bands like fu Manchu and and caius electric wizard cathedral since the mid 90s i would say like 96 somewhere around there and we just discovered this new type of music we were really young maybe 18 years old and we had been playing together for a couple of years prior to that, but when we discovered this new kind of des- desert scene, we just started writing music, and we spent a couple of years just writing. And um, and then when we we kind of developed our own style, I think um, I think a, a lot of the influence came from like more metal type music. Mm-hmm. So I think we kind of we were never really a pure stoner rock band in that sense. I think we just had a lot of different influences and um, yeah, we uh, we uh, recorded the inter submission in um, I think it was May or June of the year 2000 with uh, Andy LaRock, uh, the guitarist from King Diamond. Yeah, I want to get into um, that
0: here in a little while, too. But. Yeah.
1: And and I mean, we just made the best record we possibly could back then. Yeah. It was all recorded on on analog tape. And yeah, we we were really prepared when we entered the studio. We had been practicing for like five or six days every week for like two or three years uh, prior to, to making the album and um yeah we recorded the album i think you know we didn't know that many other bands in in sweden i um i knew a couple of guys from dozer Uh, we used to uh, uh, be on a kind of um i can't remember what it was called it was like a kind of a community program on my pc um what was it called it was not icq it was like way before then There was something called uh, Hashtag Stoner Rock, which was like a global channel. So that's where I met uh, Carl Daniel, who was in Demon Cleaner at the time. Uh and He would later be in Dozer as well. And we were just uh, like a really small community of bands, but we never really belonged to to the scene in, in that sense. We were just doing our own thing, I think. And there is, is like, a lot
0: of overlap, it seems, with uh oh, yeah. of, especially the Sweden bands. But um, you know, mm. like you said, Carl Daniel Leiden and and yeah. yourselves and Dozer and Greenleaf and all these bands, like there's a lot of like members in and out, and there there seems yeah. to be a really strong scene there, and there still is. I mean, we're still talking yeah. about it all these years later and stuff, but it's cool to see That's all true. the overlap for sure.
1: I think we were kind of living in the wrong part of Sweden because we are on the west coast, uh near Gothenburg, and it, there wasn't that many bands around here. There was like one. Other band called The Awesome Machine. Um, yeah, I want to talk about them in a little bit too, for sure. Uh, and then you had like more up from north, and then you had the Stockholm scene. But we were not that kind of included in it, or we didn't know that many people. This is yeah. like early days of internet as well. And right. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't do that many gigs either, and there was no touring or anything like that. So, so what was the
0: reception like? It, uh, I, I believe it came out on what, Pavement? records yeah what was was the reception like when you put it out was it i mean was the stoner rock scene you know happening did you get a good reception did you sell a bunch of records or was it pretty quiet and you decided to give up at that point what was what was that kind of like
1: i actually don't don't remember I, i think people liked the album and we read some good reviews and stuff but it wasn't like we heard that much about it Hmm. Especially because there was like no social media or anything back then. So you couldn't really get the instant feedback. Um, yeah. Sometimes there would be someone who read something in a in a magazine in Germany or something, but it didn't really reach us. And I think we back then I don't know, we didn't have really any expectations. We just wanted to make music. So but yeah, it's not like it is today. N- yeah, we get way more feedback from the album. I think it kind of just disappeared. Um,
0: so yeah. it, did that, did that cause the breakup hiatus? Did, you know, what happened there? What, what made you move on to other things uh, around this, around this time? No,
1: uh, I wouldn't say so. No, <clears throat> um, we kept writing. And we kept being active for a couple of years, I think up to like 2005 or something. And that's when, Uh, our other guitarist he got really busy with another band and our drummer he he decided that it was time to quit playing drums and so everything just kind of I don't know it died out a bit and I started doing other kinds of music and we just kind of put the band on hiatus it wasn't like we publicly just said that it's over it just Mm -hmm. kind of naturally happened and then a couple of guys in the band they they became parents and you know life happened and yeah but now here we are again 20 years later or something and it's just awesome
0: do you guys are you were you guys aware in the last 20 years of kind of the impact of astro queen and into submission on the the scene or was that all kind of news to you
1: more yeah yeah, just like more recently i think someone Someone told me that we had a lot of list. I think it was Marco from Majestic Mountain. He, sure. when he first reached out to us, he just said like, "You have a lot of listeners on 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 Spotify." And I was like, "What? Are we on Spotify?" <laughs> it's yeah. pretty much like that. Yeah. So it seems like people kind of discovered the album way later. I think.
0: Yeah. So. Sure. So tell me about that kind of new, you know, interest. Uh, what happened with Marco and Majestic Mountain, and and what made you guys want to Get back together and play again together play shows write new music you know anything mm. like
1: that what happened there uh we had been talking about it for i think like eight years ago or something like that ten years ago maybe that we would start jamming again so me and our drummer and guitarist we kind of got together in a rehearsal room and just played and it was awesome we still remember the songs but it you know we were busy and you know, we, we would keep saying like, okay, let's let's see in a couple of weeks and meet up again, but it just never really happened until I think two years ago when when the vinyl reissue was really taking form. Yeah. That's where when we also kind of got back together in the rehearsal room and we just started playing and we just noticed that this is so much fun. And,
0: so I'm then, assuming you know, that new songs being written and and you know what does that feel like what does it sound like does it feel like uh the early 2000s again or are you guys yeah trying something different or
1: yeah it, it truly does it yeah. it's really it, it's like a it's like a mind warp almost yeah. um when we get back together it just feels like no time has passed awesome it, it's really strange but yeah it's fun Tell me about the song Catapult, because
0: that was an unreleased track on the album, Mm. as far as I understand, right? And it was included on the vinyl reissue recently. And uh, I've been listening to it a lot lately because I've listened to Indus Mission so many times, but it was something new to my ears, you know? Mm. And uh, it fits the album really well, and it's a great tune. So what... uh, what made you guys leave that one off the original issue or or re-release it or or unrelease it yeah know? the
1: the true story is that uh, when we were recording the album into submission <clears throat> there was like i think we had like one more song to record which was Catapult. Uh, and andy received a phone call from from Sweden Rock Festival and they had uh, there was like a, a huge band that had canceled so they just called, you know, like, hey, can King Diamond come and play on in two days? Um, and he was offered a lot of money for that gig as well. So he was just like, fuck, I need to do this gig. And, um, I know you, you are still in the studio and you have like two more days to record, and but I'll, I'll get an assistant in. And um, I think something happened when we recorded Catapult that he wasn't, Andy wasn't really happy about something. Uh, in that song so when he came back it was just like oh fuck uh, this should have been done differently blah 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 Uh, let's leave that out for now and we'll just get on with mixing the album so we kind of decided to just like leave that song out and mix the album and then it was kind of forgotten until we found it uh, somewhere in the archive like holy shit Yeah, there's catapults. so
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Andy a little bit from King Diamond because I I just discovered this uh, earlier when I was just doing a little bit of background on Astro Queen again, and
2: Mm
0: -hmm. we just did a Fuzz Club episode on the awesome machine because their Mm -hmm. album is being re-released on Ripple. Um, Okay, uh, cool. It's Ugly or Nothing. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about that, we discovered that Andy helped produce that album. And I, we all oh, thought yeah, that was okay. so strange and so random and just, you know, unexpected. Yeah. And uh, it really does have kind of a similar tone to Astro Queen. I think in the episode, I even brought up Into submission, uh, just a similar sound and um, vibe. And I think they're from Sweden and, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. And it was this album that I had never heard before from a band that I had never heard before. And yeah. we're like, wow, I had this connection to Andy and King Diamond and we still never heard mm-hmm. it. That's so sort of strange. And then that's to cool. find out that he worked on Into
1: submission was really surprising, too. So how did that come about? Uh, i think that was um, pretty much the record label uh, they were just suggesting andy that he had a studio of course we knew about andy um and we yeah. all we all really digged king diamond uh, does he have a have an ear for stoner rock or like you know what what is what's Well the he, he he truly you know? does um, yeah. i mean into submission sounds still today really good yeah, um, yeah. but he he, he had ne- never done anything like that I think and he was really like he was stoked about the fuss sound on the guitars and stuff sure and yeah. very different from the other stuff he was recording so I just think it was a lucky strike it was just random luck i think that yeah it worked so well because it made us sound different from many other bands um, that's so- a
0: that's a good segue into kind of my, one of my last questions here is just the tone of this album <clears throat> and i'm mm-hmm. I'm not a musician or, or much of one myself and I don't know much about gear but a lot of our listeners are gearheads and what can you tell us about that tone you know uh, whether it's the amps or the effects or the pedals or if it was Andy you know what what made this album sound the way it did
1: well um when it comes to the guitars it, it was just my my Gibson Explorer uh straight into a fuzz face the Jimi Hendrix one the red one and then straight into a 50 watt crate tube amp that's pretty much it okay that that's as easy it is nice lots of volume and yeah, yeah. i
0: think we found that in some of these albums that we have talked about is that stripped back sound you know less is more kind of a thing mm-hmm. and it, it it tends to be the albums that we talk about that tone the most is when it's just real stripped back and real simple. It, it's not when yeah. there's a thousand different things going on. It's it's the real simple ones. So uh, yeah, no, an- I
1: mean even even like the drums and stuff, it's all recorded in a the room. There's no triggering or anything like that. And we were all playing in the same room. Yeah, Um, we did a couple of additional overdubs, of course, when it comes to guitars. And obviously the vocals were done afterwards. But we were all playing in the same room. We didn't play to a click track or anything like that. So it's just like. That's just how we sound. Uh-huh. All right. Last question. What is it sounding like now
0: for Astro Queen? And what's the plan for 2024? Or, you know, any what's what's the next uh what's next on the plate for Astro Queen?
1: I think um the sound is it's still us. Uh I don't think it's gonna sound like um 20 years has passed. I think Bit more experience. Our drummer is even better now than he was twenty years ago. Everyone is just better at their instruments, um, and a bit wiser. I think you know we're a bit more laid back these days. But yeah, it's still really raw and it's really fuzzy and really heavy. Yeah. And when it comes to plans for this year, the first thing we are we are doing now is that we are. Um, we have just re-recorded guitars for um, the last demo we ever did with Andy uh, back in 2005. So we have re-recorded the guitars, and we're gonna um, we're gonna find a suitable weekend in the coming weeks to enter Andy's studio again to remix those demos, and it's just gonna be released uh, on a vinyl. It's gonna be an EP, uh, and we're gonna play Desert Fest in London in May um we have a a show here in Gothenburg as well coming up and then we're just gonna keep writing for the next album and gonna see what happens do you have any dates in mind for the ep uh no it's uh, too early to say but definitely this year cool it's gonna it's gonna be awesome
0: okay I i think that's about all i got for you is there anything else that you would like to tell anybody in the fuzz club or the listeners or anything like that about astro queen into submission Past, present, future, anything like that.
1: I want to thank everyone for for supporting us and just keep listening to this twenty uh, year old album. Uh, it's, it's it's fucking amazing to know that it means so much to people, and it's a it's a true honor. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Thank you. All righty this is part two of the
0: Astro Queen Into Submission Fuzz Club episode. Um, now we have the Fuzz Club here. We'll let everyone kind of go around and introduce themselves real quick cuz I think it's probably been a little while. We did the Best of 2023 episode and we took a week off before that, and maybe after that, and I don't know, it's been a little while. So, in case anyone's just joining us for the first time or hasn't watched in a while, you know, we'll let uh, we'll let Eddie kick things off and introduce himself.
3: Hi, right, I'm Eddie from the Endless Low Talk in Iowa. Bucky. Bucky. Doom charts, ripple effect blog.
2: Underground the aficionado. <laughs> uh
4: um, my name is Ben, aka Ben Riz. I'm in uh the band Lost Dutchman.
5: And I am Pat from Monster Riff.
0: Right on, all right. So Aster Queen in submission. Did anyone hear this for the first time when we decided to do this one? Was anyone unaware of this album going into it? Oh yeah?
2: Oh no, really oh, Holy- oh, wow. I, it looked familiar but i i can't honestly say i remember anything specific so okay
0: yeah so maybe if you was- if you heard the the interview part uh with daniel and, I, and myself you'll hear me gushing about it how it was like you know like one of the the main i would say like top three for me getting into stoner rock and stuff like a an album that i heard maybe eight years ago and uh just was like oh this this is like the kind of stuff that I need to keep looking for. This is the kind of stuff I want to hear. It's like got the fuzzy guitar tone. It's got just kind of like this upbeat, you know, kind of uh, tempo and just like lyrically, just cosmic stuff, outer space stuff, you know, like just I just loved everything about it immediately and was like, I need more of this. And that's kind of when I went on this like stoner rock journey that, you know, started with Astro Queen and uh, Odio from Lowrider and a few other bands. But like this one has always been for me just like a monumental album that i always go back to i i might i might call it a desert island album honestly like it's one of those things that if i could pick five this one might be it um just because to me it like encapsulates like what i'm looking for in like stoner rock and stuff so you know it, it didn't get a lot of publicity it's kind of gone under the radar they disappeared pretty shortly after this release in 2001 um but they're kind of reforming now which was cool they've gotten a little bit more um publicity through that and majestic mountain put out the reissue of into submission recently and they're working on new things if you caught that interview you heard a couple things from him so anyway uh for those of you that haven't heard this before and those that did you know what would you guys think what was your initial reaction probably not quite as uh extreme as mine I would assume but maybe <laughs>
2: oh man it it's it sounds exactly like you described this reminds me of all the bands back in that era what that got me into stoner rock in the whole mm-hmm. like heavy hard rock scene as well like the small stone records that was probably one of my when i when i discovered small stone i was like holy shit like all those yeah. bands it's really like like the truck fighters Fuzzarama records bands like it's got that truck fighters kind of fuzz sound with that aggressive kind of yeah. Base tone
0: and it's like, fuzzy fuzzy stuff. but energetic is like yeah, you know it's kind yeah. of like the they,
5: only
4: grew, yeah. they need i think
5: yeah i it's funny uh that your story ryan very much paralyzed parallels my own because like i i'd gotten into stoner rock through like clutch and queens and then like truck fighters but then i, I remember i found this record and Love Sex Volume by Cowboys and Aliens in like the same day. Yeah. I listened to those two back to back for literally weeks, like just on repeat. I'd listen to one and then the other. And there was a moment in time where like Superhuman God and Ghost of My Speakers were like Ghost of My Speakers were like my two favorite songs in the world. And those were like weeks. There was one weekend I just listened to this album like all day, each day. And uh it just blew me away that. Uh, you know you get a lot of like those really thick heavy fuzzy tones in in queens and you get them in in truck fighters as well but i think to your point this is just so over the top energetic and infectious and there's something really charming and uh disarming in this while still being like just the best sort of party version of, of stoner rock
3: yeah 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 i found it to be like a like a party party type vibe but you know like a uplifting music kind of thing i'm surprised i haven't given them more attention before this because it sounds like like truck fighters a low rider and stuff that i've always been into I'll yeah definitely keep it, with.
0: It, it seems like a lot of those bands around this era like early 2000s and from sweden in that area like maybe maybe we just kind of got lucky that we found this one and not like the awesome machine which we just talked about on you know two episodes ago because they're from Sweden came out at the same time had the same producer we, which we can talk about the Andy LaRock from King Diamond which we kind of went over in the awesome machine uh episode so there's so many similarities there's a lot of overlap with like dozer and Greenleaf, which we talked about awesome machine Astro Queen all these bands and like you know maybe it was just you know uh, lucky that we found Astro Queen but not the awesome machine or, or, or whatever or vice versa for some people I guess because I don't know if any of it like blew up or anything but this one's just always been like such a staple for me um, but I guess it could have went a different way if I had you know not just found it randomly on YouTube suggestions or whatever it was you know back then
2: <laughs> yeah and I was reading up like I, I I could swear I've heard it before it's just one of those my memory sucks these days but it it said that it was originally released on vinyl only like I didn't know that back in 2001 or something and yeah. that could have been maybe why it didn't get kind of pushed as as much as like the the Caius and the truck fighters and some of those bands from that era it, yeah it didn't maybe that's a reason why it kind of went under the radar is Folks, yeah, were. it's kind
0: of weird. I mean, after doing that awesome machine episode, we were kind of like, well, how didn't this do better? I had the guy from King Diamond producing it and all this kind of stuff. And and this seemed like the exact same story almost. I mean, I mm-hmm. happen to know this one and and not the awesome machine, but it's like almost the exact same story. It's, they, they sound similar, had similar people involved and whatnot. So it's just kind of weird that it kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. It does Man, sound pretty similar. Cool. Yeah.
4: I mean, in fairness to the the time that that this and The Awesome Machine kind of came out, I mean, our attention was not on stoner rock coming from Sweden. Uh, We had another movement in music that was taking a little bit more precedence at the time, you know?
0: For sure, yeah. Yeah, and and for that, to that point, I didn't discover this in 2001 at all. I mean, you know, it was just much later on down the road, so.
2: That was the new metal, the new metal days.
0: Yeah, I I unfortunately was at the perfect time in my (laughs) life uh, for new metal. I was like, just, you know, tail end of middle school or something so you know yeah. it was like corn and tones and
2: whatnot big baggy yeah. jeans for me unfortunately but. <laughs> the metal core era kind of yeah. like in that post grunge yeah. too yeah
4: that's that's what i was gonna say was is i remember hearing more about kill switch engaged and truck fighters yeah. from back oh, home
2: definitely yeah. yeah i mean
0: i i gradually got into more metal like heavier and heavier and heavier metal uh, you know at that time it definitely wasn't i wasn't interested in hearing you know stoner rock i didn't even know that was a thing at that point but
4: Oh, man, I still love me some some Fu Manchu and some Caius. I mean, I always have. Uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah, our, we didn't have the, the smorgasbord that we do now. I mean, we, we can choose whatever mood of, of, of stoner rock we want to get into nowadays. You want depressive, you want happy, pretty much covered. Then it was like you had peanut butter and you had chocolate, no other flavors. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was it was still when like radio was somewhat relevant. I mean, I would turn on the radio in my small town and it would just be, you know, the it would be like Def Leppard still like, you know, all day, just Def Leppard and Tom Petty and stuff, which I I like. But, you know, Nickelback and Creed were on top of the world at that point. So it's hard to get anything else on the radio.
2: (laughs) I don't think this stuff ever made it to any radio maybe no. exit yeah. radio like certain personalities it. might play a few tracks even now i don't know Are, is there like know.
0: stoner rock like there's satellite radio i, I, I am mean, gonna do yeah. a,
5: a quick plug for cosmic fuzz fm uh, oh, okay. based out of england and they play yeah, you yeah. can stream 24 7 stoner rock and like it's like doom uh, stoner
0: fuzz just 24/7. but that's like that's like internet radio right yeah, I mean, that's it's internet like, yeah. yeah you're
2: not there's gonna some
4: Yeah, there's a there's a good one on on Cranium called Doom Tomb podcast dudes local here to Phoenix.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know that one a little bit. So um, what I what the other thing that I liked about this one a lot was just that it's kind of like relentless throughout there. I think there's I don't know what was it like 11 or something tracks. It's like 50 minutes and like there's not a, a soft tune on it. It's all like pretty like heavy, fuzzy upbeat there's not like a ballad on it there's not like it's, it's just like constant they just keep writing these same like similar vibe songs and and they just did it all the way throughout and it's hard to pick like kind of a favorite i don't know about you guys but to me that you know they all they all stand out from each other pretty well but it's just like this this um i'm not trying to make it sound like they're all too similar to each other not in a bad way not in a negative way but i mean like they're just kind of relentless in in that uh that tone that they have i think
5: a hundred percent and I don't I don't ever listen to this wanting a ballad but I I would be really curious to hear what they would be like with a little bit more acoustic guitar in it sort of like Mm -hmm. truck fighters does because occasionally they'll whip out an acoustic guitar and it'll just be gorgeous especially when it melds with the rest of their sound
0: yeah Um,
5: so I, I would be curious to see what this would sound like with that but um for to answer your original question my, my favorite track is definitely superhuman god I just there's so much emotion packed into that yeah. and,
0: I think that was always the standout one for me too I think that's the one that I added to the slightly fuzz playlist you know years ago and I think that was always kind of the one that I, I went back to a lot but I think it, it kind of changes over the years too there's different ones that stand out and to, maybe to that point the that unreleased track I don't know if anyone else checked that one out it's called yeah. catapult And uh, it's a great, great tune. It fits right along with everything else that they've put on this album. And and talking to Daniel about it, it sounded like they just kind of ran out of time. It it wasn't that it was like inferior or anything, and they just kind of ran out of time. It didn't it didn't get the uh, Andy LaRock uh, touch. He had to go uh, like do a date or something, and um, it just didn't make it to the album. But it's cool to hear a a new song after all these years, like 20 years later. but it also sounds like they're working on some new material, which is exciting, I think. It'll be interesting to sound hear what that sounds like all these years later.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember if it was Superhuman God. I was listening, like, just the last 15 minutes before the show. I kind of was like, oh, shit, I better kind of catch up. I think it was track two, Out of This World, that caught my ear on the, the chorus, the vocals. Like, there was a very melodic, like catchy chorus it could have been track three but Mm -hmm. i thought it was the second track out of this world maybe you could clarify that pat like it just out of of this world is number two yeah Mm -hmm. does it have like a really like catchy chorus line like the vocals like i mean that that was one thing i noticed like the vocals are i i i enjoy the way he sings and i do too yeah it's aggressive but it's very melodic at the same time like with the choruses and yeah it's got that i think
0: that's the other thing about this album that i've always liked too is the vocals don't like they don't get on my nerves or anything like some of the bands even eight years ago when i first heard this some of the bands that i kind of glossed over were bands that had like kind of rough vocals like maybe they kind of like spoke them a little bit more they didn't sing them or they didn't quite Nailed have the, the voice way. or they maybe they, this one just was like it fit the music it didn't uh, I don't know. It Just didn't. It didn't ruin it for me. It didn't throw it off for me. It it, it complemented that that fuzzy guitar tone pretty well, I thought. And I, it, sometimes it's hard, especially in in stoner rock and stuff. Sometimes, sometimes I don't totally dig the vocals, and I think sometimes they're just kind of thrown in as almost an afterthought, um, which can happen. But these these <laughs> seem to fit for me at least. And, yeah, and sure. Buggy, uh, I had
5: to I had to reacquaint myself with the lyrics for Out of This World, but it, it does have like a really really cool vocal delivery and has some really cool uh lyrics and, and melody as well on, on that one so it might have been
2: track two i think it was track two yeah because i i think i was only on track three when the podcast or this was about the start so i didn't get re-caught up i i listened to it last week a little bit but I've, i'm still not totally caught up um
4: y'all doing so, the remastered version or are you going with the the, the actual like release
0: i i did the remastered one just because it just came out and i had heard the original so many times and i wanted to hear that unreleased track and and stuff like that but you know if we're if we're talking about the original release maybe we should have all agreed on the original but i don't know they're super different you know yeah i was gonna say did, I w- did did you notice a difference i didn't but i'm i'm not that guy i'm not the right guy to ask. <laughs> i don't know maybe ben riz you probably you probably would notice a difference if there was one <laughs>
4: Um, I I did dabble a toe in, in both, just kind of A B to, to see yeah. if there's like a like a noticeable difference with headphones, let alone with speakers, and and there isn't much of one. The remaster's a little bit brighter and a little bassier in some spots, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, I mean it I, I went with the remaster just for a straight listen because similar reasons as you I I, I kind of wanted the uh the entire experience. I wanted the new song. Um I didn't know if that was included with the homework or not, but I didn't want to be unprepared. Um I can definitely see this like kind of like lingering around in, in, in a playlist in one way or another. There's just there's good continuity yeah. like all the way around. And I think the remaster kind of brought that out a little bit. Hmm.
0: One of the other things with talking to to Daniel, I, I asked kind of about uh, the the gear and the tone and that kind of stuff. And um, he mentioned that it was just like real simple. It was just plugged into the amp and and that was about it. It, it wasn't uh, to warrant any effects or, or anything like that. And um, some of you guys that, are are more gear heads than i am uh maybe have something to say about that but I, I what i thought was interesting about it was that a lot of these bands that we talked about that were like wow you know that they got a good tone out of this or whatever a lot of times it comes out uh the simpler the better you know i guess and that was kind of the case in this one
2: yeah mm-hmm. Thoughts definitely on
4: that your guy <laughs> I let somebody fun, else man. jump in. I'm
5: not I'm not your guy for that.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, like that I, can, I can hear you Sam at the being more like a guitar straight to the It's like it sounds very raw to me like a very punchy yeah, so <laughs> keeping it simple it's good. Well did they even uh, have like options?
4: Back well, then, it definitely like, sounds like they're using a fuzz. I mean it sounds like a big yeah. muff that's got the tone like cranked all the way down I mean it it definitely sounds like it's being played through a wet wool blanket
2: yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. so we we touched on it a little bit or i I at least brought it up but um andy from king diamond produced this record um as well as the awesome machine which we just kind of talked about a few weeks ago and um i just thought that was really interesting because i i didn't know that going into the awesome machine or this one all these years but they sound so similar and and just having that connection to him it I, it's hard to get my mind around I just thought that was so strange but it, the fact that they both did around the same time and that they sound similar and stuff I just thought that was really fascinating and um I thought that maybe I heard something about him helping with you know what they're working on now too so I, I just thought that was really interesting I don't know what you guys think about that but um just having him involved in this you know this scene and stoner Rock and stuff coming from King Diamond I just just thought all of it was just really interesting but it is. It's a. It's
5: almost seems like a random name to have attached to, to this record in particular. Yeah,
2: For
4: sure. Maybe Andy was into Lebanese hash that particular year. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> when well, yeah. it was re, remastered by Esben Willems from Monolord. Oh, he I don't know involved. that I knew that either. Um, that's the remastered by by Esben from Monolord. That's cool. <laughs> At He's least got a good ear. People. That's what it, that's what it says. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um,
0: so the the artwork, too, I don't have anything uh, groundbreaking to say about the artwork or anything, but um, I did always like it. Uh, it fits, you know, the uh, the aesthetic of the band and what and what I'm hearing and everything. I just thought it was cool. For some reason, I thought there was a story out there that it came from like an old sci fi novel or something. But now I can't seem to find that story anywhere. It seems like it was designed by a guy named Martin Westerstrand. Um, he's from Sweden. He's a musician himself, as well as a designer and artist. So he's the one that created this. I don't know if it was a, like a painting or, or, or what at the time. But um, then one of the guys that we all know, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, Bronca Studios, did the, the remastered work for uh, the new reissue. Um, he just put his own kind of flair on it not anything too crazy different use the original artwork in there and incorporate it into some, some new style. But for some reason, like I said, I thought it was uh, something to do with a sci-fi novel, but I could just have made that up. It seems like that's very possible.
3: Seems plausible.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that remastered art a lot. Like it's, it brings a kind of a modern spin to it. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, jealous i didn't get in on this the, the vinyl copies it looks like it's sold out and they're going. oh it, favorite, i was gonna say man bucks. you should
0: get this one on vinyl they got like a, yeah, like a red white like and I, blue like splatter or something i think yeah missed the boat man i, I, can I, buy I, it. I even thought about i didn't even have a, a record player when this came out on vinyl and i even thought about just buying it because it's just one of those records where i'm like someday i'll have a record play and i'm gonna need this one and uh <laughs> yeah. i didn't i didn't jump on it but
5: yeah, I, I would artwork. buy it just for the artwork. I mean, it's such a cool layout. It's, it's iconic. Yeah. It'd be great just to have on the wall.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're That's going awful. for like 70, 80 bucks on like Discogs buying like third party. Like really? I, for, for the reissue or the original? I think it's the, re, the, the reissue. Damn. That's crazy. But the original is probably going for even more. I'd imagine if it's... Because either way, I don't think there was a lot of either version printed. Probably not. We're, we're but talking a couple couple hundred copies out there.
0: We're also talking about a band that no one's really heard of. I'm just
2: surprised yeah. that they go for that much. That's awesome. No, <laughs> it's not very many. Yeah. Which is kind of, it's it's the case in our scene. Like, we're yeah. such a tiny blip on the world map. Like, when we're talking about all these records and half of the stuff we talk about there's less than like two 300 of the record like physical copies in circulation to begin yeah. with and that it sounds like a big number in this tiny little circle of ours and but it's crazy to think about yeah
0: so. yeah for sure um so what else about this record um I talked to him a little bit about the impact that this record had on Stoner Rock, and it's still kind of debatable, I guess, to me, because to me, it was so important. But like talking to you, like three out of the five here had never heard it up to this point. So I don't I don't fully understand you know, what the impact of this record is on Stoner Rock or, or anything else. Maybe someone else can kind of throw their thoughts in there on there to me it's it's so important if someone asked me like what kind of album they should put on to get into it like this is one that i bring up like i said it's like a mount rushmore desert island kind of a record for me but it doesn't seem to have gotten quite that i mean there's a lot of bands that i think even lowrider we did an episode on i think a lot of people would probably put that you know in that category maybe before this one or at least it heard of them you know before astro queen um but I don't know, where Where do you think it falls and kind of the legacy of Stoner Rock and all that kind of stuff?
5: For me, it's it's kind of like, uh, like Shawshank Redemption. Like everybody loves it. Nobody ever talks about it. I can't remember the last time somebody mentioned Shawshank Redemption, but like everyone who ever mentions, oh yeah, I love that movie. It's so great. And I think the, the people that I've talked to that have heard this record before, they're like, oh, that's great. But no one talks about it. It's just there and it's wonderful and it's... I, I think that maybe if they had been able to do a, a second record or a third record, maybe they would have a bit more legacy.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: But they just they just burned out before they could really do anything, and yeah. that's unfortunate. But it's it's a terrific record, and I, I'm curious for Ben Rosetti, Bucky, now that you've heard it, you know how do, how do you kind of place it uh, in your mind, you know, among your other like favorite records from the scene.
3: I could i could place it up there with those like truck fetters and lowrider and dozer and stuff like that it's, it's it's comparable it's on the same level for sure i would recommend it for who's getting the store i'm
4: excited let's do yeah, it right. some more and, yeah. Hmm. yeah i've already passed it on to a couple of buddies
3: nice
0: yeah. lowrider definitely got a, a little bit of a boost more recently because they put out an album in mm-hmm. 2020 and I hope the same happens for Astro Queen when they put something out this year and, and maybe next year. Um, but Lowrider always kind of seemed to have gotten more accomplished with Odio than this one did, I, I think, at least from my understanding. I think so, too.
3: Yeah.
4: Kind of the same yeah, deal with like- Awesome Machine. You know, like Dozer gets a little bit more play than they do. Uh-huh. It's it's
2: certainly in the same like realm of all the the bands we've talked about more like from a quality standpoint the the sound is there it's it fits in that same mold and it it kind of to me this sound just takes me back to when i i kind of discovered like small stone records and some of those Mm -hmm. bands from back in that era i mean even got sasquatch like back then and um there's some other bands that aren't talked about either like brain police Mm -hmm. and some stuff like that on small stone that I consider quintessential like stoner rock bands in the scene Yeah.
0: yeah
2: and they kind of some did better than others some fizzled out but
0: with ripples new uh beneath the desert floor thing that I discovered the awesome machine through and because of And now with like a band like this coming back on Majestic Mountain and then Lowrider having a record 20 years later, that kind of stuff. And it seems like a good time to, you know, form a reunion or reissue or record new music or whatever. Hopefully more bands do it. And I'm sure there's so many bands that I've still never heard of and and whatnot. I mean, we've kind of talked about it before, but I always think that I've heard just about all of it at this point. And there's new bands all the time that I'm like, oh, shit, had no clue this thing existed. So Mm -hmm. let's see
5: and uh the one thing i did want to ask ryan is as as you were talking during your earlier interview it sounds like they put this out they were basically kids like were they like 18 19 20 is that the the impression that you get? because he like talked remember. about forming when they were like 18-ish
0: yeah i don't i don't remember any ages um i could be wrong but i don't remember any ages getting brought up necessarily but it sounded like he they weren't really concerned with like you know the reception of it, I think is kind of what he said. They were just like we were just playing music, wanted to put out a record and we did it, and then we there was no internet, so we didn't even follow up. We didn't see how it did or, or anything. So I, that to me registered as we were just kids playing in a band, right. didn't give a yeah. shit, you know. So that, I would make it the assumption that they were kids, um, no, although I don't remember exactly.
2: I mean, yeah, how old are they now? It's that would tell you how old they are. Yeah, it's <laughs> They're true. Forty five that was my favorite
5: part of the interview was him being like oh yeah we didn't even realize people liked it you know and right. just on the internet just like gaining momentum for 15 years
0: yeah yeah and I, I think that I remember like trying to do my homework a long time ago on him and just being like what happened where where's anything else why didn't they put out more stuff and and I think I remember finding maybe it was Daniel like uh, a couple side projects or something went on to do different stuff different music um and i thought if i remember correctly it was a little heavier it was like more like metal or something i I don't remember fully but um you know they all went on to do different things and have different tastes and stuff i just thought that was interesting that you know you never know everyone that's that's a different story that comes up a lot i mean even talking to uh, peter and lowrider you know went on to have a a great career in like design and video and all this kind of stuff and was like a lowrider who's talking about lowrider and everyone's like we love lowrider what do you mean like you know and there's like this whole other like world happening to the band that they don't even really realize because they're they're off living life having kids and a career and stuff that they they don't even fully realize well anything else about into submission for anybody records yeah i was cool. super stoked to finally talk about it a little bit and then you know talking to daniel on top of it was was awesome for me and i hope everyone goes out and listens to it it's just been one of those records for me throughout the years that i always just put on when i can't find anything else to listen to it's it's always there so glad we finally got to talk about a little bit and i hope more people listen to it um so, we can go around and everyone can plug whatever they're up to if you want they so can,
2: wait, before we go so did you, when you talk to them did they talk about the new like they're they're gonna put out some new stuff
0: yeah so i think what he said was they are gonna aim for an ep in 2024 uh okay. of some sort i believe it's coming out through majestic um okay and then I, they're gonna write a full album after that but i'm guessing that it, it the way it sounded was more like reasonably 2025 or something like yeah, yeah. that yeah maybe a little ways off so yeah oh, that's i cool. think they have some material left from um this era i think that that mm-hmm. was kind of what he said too was like they have some songs or stuff they hadn't fully polished up yet that they were going to try to kind of repurpose uh re-record i think he might have said they wow. were going to re-record some stuff or at least guitars or something like that and uh, put out an EP on it. So, yeah, hopefully sometime soon we'll hear something new-ish from Astro Queen and maybe
2: new-new, for sure new, uh, next year. Hopefully. Their name their name fits right in in the scene. I mean, yeah, <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah, it, like, yeah it's, it's like, super fitting for everything, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Any final thoughts? Let's call it. All right, Eddie, lead us off.
3: All right, join me. The endless uh, debut album comes out January twenty third. I'm pretty excited about that. It's my first studio album, so. And Iowa has something in the works that you're going to hear pretty soon too. Um, I can't say anything else about that.
0: (laughs) Cool, that's exciting, man. Congrats on uh, on the endless and stuff. That's that's awesome.
3: Thanks, man.
2: So. Doom Charts has kind of been trickling out a bunch of best of the year lists from all the contributors. If you've been go over to DoomCharts.com, it's always a fun time of year. See what everyone else's favorites were, and mm-hmm. lots of variety and stuff that you may have missed out on. Just kind of a checklist. Oh shit, I need to go find that one. And then they should be putting out the top like one hundred or top albums of the year as like tallied so that's what we used to always do that like tally up all the votes for the whole year and get one big master list of like two thousand something albums <laughs> it's a crazy number and it's like the top 100 so that's nice. always pretty representative of of the scene and where we're at so yeah yeah that' cool all coming out soon
4: ben um, well, I was just on an episode of the Yeti Radio. Uh, if anybody uh, happens to like internet radio, I just did an internet radio show. Uh, it's also available on YouTube. Um, that's what I got. Cool.
0: Yeah.
5: Are you on mute? What What's going on here? I, I am on mute. Sorry about oh, that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think I think Monster Riff is back. Uh, I was a little bit on a writing hiatus there, but I think we've got my son on a sleep schedule that allows me to write again. Um, thank you, Ryan, for keeping things alive with a lot of satire. Um, but we'll be back to uh, new articles every Friday, satire every other Tuesday. We're going to start doing the podcast on a regular basis again, and hopefully have some more guest posts and stuff coming out this year. So 2024 should be a good year for Monster
0: Cool. All right, everybody. Go check out Astro Queen in a submission and uh, be on the lookout for more and check out the next Fuzz Club. Later. Later. See ya.